What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsightless, the sporadic podcast where I talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else might be running around inside of my head, but mostly role-playing games because they're really awesome, and sometimes you can even pre-program your moves. Okay. Do we need to click anything on here? All right. What's going on, folks? With me today, I have a special guest. I don't do this very often, but I actually have our good buddy Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast joining me today. And we're going to talk about some pre-programmed moved, moves from the Wrath of the Righteous Adventure Path. Uh, so there will be major spoilers just to get that out of the way first. But anyway, Jason, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing really good. So yeah, you were you were there. You were one of the PCs in the battle at the end of the third book of the Wrath of the Righteous Adventure Path, where you fought the evil wizard worm that walks Xanthir Vang. How was that yep. fight? It was good. It was um, it it, it was pretty um. <laughs> I, it, so, it, I'm not going to say it was like super hard, but it was definitely a little nerve wracking and it was one of those who were on edge of your seat because we got lucky and all of our roles went well, you know, like uh-huh. passing the, the, you know, the check that the caster level checks and, and Vanthyr happened to be failing saving throws, stuff like that. But, you know, any of those roles had gone differently. It would have been a different fight. And, and the same thing with us because he had the um, deflection on, right. you weren't sure if you were going to actually connect to do damage or not. So even though, I mean, ultimately it wasn't, I mean, just if you look at it afterwards, the stats of, you know, we, you know, it wasn't a hard fight. Our characters didn't come out beat up or anything, really beat up or anything, but it was a hair raising fight. Right. Yeah. You you know, so. Yeah. And if, if any of those, especially the initial roles, had they gone differently, Xanthir would have been able to act more effectively And in this book, in the third book of Wrath of the Righteous, there is a sidebar called Xanthir's Tactics, which lists out round by round for the first four rounds what actions he takes. All three actions, swift, standard, and move. And in the room's description, it gives gives, uh, some advice. Uh, and I want to, I'd like to read that advice to sort of set the tone, if you don't mind. Bear with yeah, me. Yeah, I am terrible at reading aloud, but let's let's see how this goes. So it says, Xanthir is quite intelligent. Don't be afraid to metagame a bit with him. Um, then it goes on to say, using what you know about the PC's fighting tactics and weaknesses is an excellent way to model the actions of a creature with an intelligence score of 26. And then it goes on to describe round by round what it does. It also says um, up here, it says, obviously, where did it go? Obviously, do your best to match the moves of the PCs as best as you can. So it does give one sentence of advice of if things don't work out to kind of move things around. But what do you think about that? I I think it's interesting. You know, I've kind of seen 
monster AI before, but not exactly like that. Although I, I know that I, that's in other books too. Probably, you know, the most common thing people are aware of these days that aren't playing like Pathfinder. So in 2017, Runehammer did a video on his channel back when it was um, what, what, Drunkens and Dragons. Drunkens and Dragons, yeah. Yeah, it was build AI for your monsters. And the idea of writing down various moves and then rolling a die to see what they do that turn. And his latest game, Crown and Skull, has that for each monster in there, has their own D6 chart and you roll to see what tactic they do each round. Now, obviously that's not maximizing their capability it's just changing up what they're doing making them unpredictable right right um, as far as like the ability to maximize i know i've seen it and i'm brain farting now and i don't have the things in front of me i know i've seen in other places the idea you know if this is used use this kind of counter or that or, you know that kind of thing but that said it's really interesting that you know with this they're trying to help you play a you know super intelligent creature and this kind of goes back to your, you know, the old dragon versus Shaga thing where, you know, dragon's super smart. So dragon's going to act intelligently, right? It's, it's right. going to stay, stay in the air and do its breath weapon or cast spells. Um, and, and so it's the same thing here with Xanther, the idea of kind of maximizing. And I wonder, did it, does the book, I, I guess, because I haven't, obviously I haven't read through this, right. I'm a player in this, but does it give you know against this kind of character this spells good or against you know if the players do this this would be a good does it like break it down more granularly than that or is it kind of just so the the most it breaks it down is on round one it goes uh xanther casts greater invisibility with his meta magic wand of quickened meta magic which is an important um then he moves as a move action. Xanthir flies to an area away from most of the PCs, the PCs. And then as a standard action, he casts disintegrate on the most heavily armored PC. Yeah, that would have been um, devastating. <laughs> yeah, that's the most it gets after that. It doesn't give any advice on who you cast the spells. It does a little bit like on the next round. He casts because he's casting two spells around every round for the first four rounds. Uh, and one of them on round two, he casts Cloud Kill because he's immune to poison and can he has blind sight. So he doesn't need to actually see to be able to know what's around him. So he casts Cloud Kill. Uh, and then every all of you guys start having to make fortitude saving throws or take uh, take constitution damage. So, like, had he been able to do his stuff, it gets really nasty really fast. Yeah, that that would have been a definitely a tough fight if he got some of that off. That yeah, but what do you think? So, to unpack that statement that I read, what do you think about it saying "Don't be afraid to metagame here a little bit"? Ken. Can Dungeon Masters metagame? Oh, well, yeah. Well, I think, I don't know, metagame's the right word. But, and, and you know, so I'm in two minds of that because you know the PCs. Right. You've seen the character sheets. You know the actual weaknesses. You know what everybody's fortitude says, what their ACs are, all uh -huh. that kind of thing. And, the way I read into that statement is the idea you're supposed to use that knowledge 
in what he's doing. Yeah. And I kind of am not in love with that because although to be fair in the, in this, because there's a, an adventure path and we've been trudging along going through bumping heads with, with his minions and, and all for a long time now. So he's had plenty of time to gather intelligence. He's had plenty of time to find out about us. And, and you know, we've had that go back and forth and hints of him for, you know, months now right yeah so the the idea that he would know about the party and know the party's weaknesses is realistic so i so in that you know thinking about it like that and how does that work i mean in pathfinder they already have that where if you know uh somebody just can make a knowledge check they can find out mechanical things about the monster in the game right they can find out mechanically you you know the monster's weaknesses and and all that kind of thing right but so it generally doesn't work in reverse right like monsters yeah. can't do that to the pcs generally speaking right so you, you know now i've kind of talked myself into thinking yeah and especially because of if this was the first time we ever came across the first time he ever appeared in the adventure at all it'd be different Right. We've heard about Xanthir Bang and we know that he's been throwing stuff at us and we've been foiling plans and all that for a long time. Yeah, so, there you you get your first sign of him in the first book. Yeah, you, exactly. You get hints of him in the first book. So yeah, he's been around the whole time. Right. So I, I think I, I've talked myself into it. I think it is fair for you to metagame and use that knowledge. Those, your knowledge as a GM of the character's weaknesses. Now, I know a lot of people won't like hearing that and, and don't like hearing the idea of that, but how else do you play a super intelligent villain that has been, you've been a bane of their existence for, for months and months now. You, you know, it just makes sense. Right, yeah. And, you know, that's that's not advice it's giving in general. That's very specific advice for this one particular encounter because Xanthir does have an intelligence score of 20 friggin' six, right? Like yeah. <laughs> 26 is crazy. Well, so, and you yeah. have this long-term relationship with him. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing. If you know, if we go into the next room and, and there's something in there we've never heard of before, it's never heard of us, you know, or the next next week when we, you know, next dungeon we go into or something, then yeah, that shouldn't happen every time. But right. Yeah, because it's kind of like like from those new Sherlock Holmes movies with uh, what's right. his face, Iron Man. Yeah, where Robert like he yeah, where he's so smart, he sees the moves coming in advance. It's kind of that idea. Right. Yeah, I I think that's, you you know, now I think about it, I think that's fair. Um, we, we didn't really give you much of a chance to do that. No, I... <laughs> no. No, you guys, you guys use awesome tactics. Everything worked in your favor. All the dice worked in your favor. All the dice worked against me. And that's how it goes sometimes, man. You know, he doesn't have a whole lot of hit. He's what, you know, they refer to as a glass cannon. Right. Um, at this level, he only has a, you know, like 100 hit points or something, which at this level in Pathfinder is nothing. So he gets a couple hits in on him and he's friggin' toast. And that's 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 the way the cookie crumbled. Yeah, but like but like I say, it was still an exciting fight because people were, you know, literally on the edge of their seats for each roll, you know, 
are we going to get through the what was deflect? I keep forgetting the name of the the yeah. Um... So he had a spell up called displacement, which gives him a fifty percent miss chance, and that that's that's the reason the fight lasted as long as it did. Right between that and you know, so that role, all those roles were like, am I gonna you know, is it gonna connect? Because you're rolling mm-hmm. to hit. Okay, I rolled to hit. Now let me see if it actually does damage because that spell, and then. Like I say, with with our casters trying to cast spells, and then they have to do a caster level check, and then he gets saving throws, and so it was, yeah, it, it was still a, a an entertaining fight, and, and yeah, a fun, fun fight. Yeah, First it was fun for you guys. Fun. It was a fun <laughs> fight for you guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I. So that's yeah, it's interesting. I, I I think the idea that they plan out the moves, the most effective moves for him, is interesting. I do wonder depending on the party makeup but you know that opening salvo sounds pretty solid right Although, yeah i, I guess greater only, than, yeah yeah the only thing i can maybe see is that kind of throws it off is why wouldn't he have had his invisibility up before the fight Be- right because so it, it actually explains that it talks about how his initial reaction to the party coming in isn't to fight them he wants to talk and sit there and chit chat and if he's invisible he can't really do that as effectively that makes sense so yeah the fact you guys didn't want to talk it as soon as you as soon as he blew that door open and said hey welcome you guys were like we're rolling initiative so there was no time for him to like talk to you guys yeah that's fair yeah but that's why like because he already had fly up he already had displacement up so it's not like he went into that fight totally unprepared he had cast a couple spells in advance um maybe he could have done more but you know i felt pretty good with those two spells up i i thought he would you know last because he's got a high armor class and a 50 percent miss chance i was like okay he should and his cmd is decent like his combat maneuver defense so he is harder to grapple than a lot of the things you guys have faced already so i felt pretty good about that and then it just you know it all fell apart (laughs) yeah well and and grappling wise you know he was able to do the whole thing where he yeah you know disassembled himself and so yeah he, he was a tough opponent. If 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 we hadn't had the the bard with us, the Knicks hadn't been there, we would have been in trouble. We yeah, really man. Like I like I mentioned in that episode, it was awesome to see a bard come through like that and just like be the MVP of a fight for a change. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, hundred percent. I I I do like that. So is this the first time in this adventure path? I'm not going to ask about the future because I'm a player right. in this. I don't want to. I don't want to know. Uh-huh. But is this the first time the adventure path has done that for one of the villains? So for all the made like the bigger bad guys, it'll give you a tactic session ses- section in their stat block that'll give you some ideas of how they like to fight, but nothing even close to this where it breaks down his swift his move and his standard action every single round for four rounds yeah that's interesting yeah because it's like he is the big bad guy of the first half of the adventure path right he's the end of book three now we're moving to the second half of the adventure path and he's a high level mythic spellcaster so they're figuring that 
they, you know, with a 26 intelligent, he shouldn't be played like a schmuck, which I probably would have anyway, if they wouldn't have listed what to do. So it's cool that they listed that. Um, yeah, I, I thought it, I think it's pretty neat. Yeah, it is. It is. I'm looking forward to once this, once we're all the way done to going back and, and reading through the event, getting a hold of the adventure path and reading it, you know, yeah. I, I have a copy right now and I'll wait to pick it up till we're all done. But I am curious. Yeah, man. Well, do we have anything else we need to talk about? No, I I think that about covers it. Unless you, although I could see. So, is this encouraged you to do something similar in the future? I know you're you're going to run Homebrew Pathfinder in the future and and run other games. I know you enjoyed that Call of Cthulhu game you ran for us and stuff. Have Have you thought about maybe incorporating this in the future for for some of your bigger villains the idea of coming up with tactics for them and programmed you, you know sets of moves i, I n- no um <laughs> not 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 program moves like typically i'll think about the npc and what they're capable of and think about what how the party can sort of counter that and i'll have that in my mind going into the fight but like not to this extreme level this granular where it just breaks it down bit by bit i just have okay he'll want to do this that and this and then you know the party's going to respond right right yeah i mean anytime you really need something this level is when you're your your villain's batman and you know right. researched everybody's weaknesses and it, you know so it's going to hit them perfectly with everything so yep yeah have no, you very- ever have you ever used anything like that before no not exactly like that i mean i've maybe i'm trying to think if i had i don't think i've no not exactly like that i mean i've done the the rune hammer thing before where you're kind of rolling to mix up their tactics Mm -hmm. you know instead of just picking them and and i've played where i pick what seems to be the best tactic because i do like the idea of playing as the adversary instead of adversarial the idea that you're playing the bad guys to their potential but you're not you're still rooting for the players right right yeah it's not you against the party but you still but you don't want to shortchange the big npcs because if you pull your punches against the pcs then you're cheating them out of a good game you know um but yeah i don't think i've ever programmed out move by move you know for bad guys yeah not, not, and one thing I, I yeah i don't think i have yeah one thing i did learn from this is it doesn't work initiative, it would have worked <laughs> if he would have won initiative it would have been a lot a lot different but yeah so folks what do you guys think can a dungeon master metagame is it cool to use the party's weaknesses against them in certain situations what do you all think um yeah so jason thank you so much for being here today yeah sorry i was so long-winded no you were awesome man uh do you have anything you want to plug uh go check out joe's show um oh wait you already are in, in, any uh kickstarters you want to hype up or anything no nah, i mean people are no? into stuff they're into stuff i mean the you, you know sure. check out you, you know there's plenty of stuff joe pumps plenty of stuff i i will say right now 
there is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Kickstarter. And, you know, if you're into that, then definitely check it out. But what I looks, will plug is pretty cool. the Glitter Boys podcast. And over on the Glitter Boys, they have a interview with Palladium Books and you go listen to that. But just all their shows are, are pretty great. So I so I definitely plug the Glitter Boys, I think. It's nice, great podcast if you like Palladium games. Absolutely. I second that. Anyway, well, thank you for being here, Jason, and uh, I'll catch you all on the other side. Well, hell yeah, that was a fun conversation. Thank you again, Jason, so much for being there for it. Uh, that was a blast really getting into getting into the nitty gritty of what it means to have a bad guy with pre-programmed moves. So, but I am really curious what you folks out there think about that. Um, is that something you think is cool? Is that something you would do? given like i said given the certain situation but anyway man that's enough for me for today thank you all so much for being here thank you for listening thanks again to jason of the nerds rpg variety cast again to follow on what jason said check out the glitter boys podcast if you're into the teenage mutant ninja turtles uh role-playing game it's made by a company named palladium and the glitter boys that's glitter and then boys is spelled b-o-i-s b-o-i-s yeah boys um and they talk about palladium games that's all they talk about is the different games they have interviews with the people who run and write for palladium so go check out the glitter boys and check out nerds rpg variety cast all right everybody Stay cool out there. It's now, as I record this, November. We're in November. The year 2023 is already almost over. It's insane, crazy, crazy town. So take care of yourselves. Take care of somebody else. And until next time, everybody, peace out. Peace out.